You're listening to No Nonsense Sales from Salesloft, your weekly dose of sales fun where we interview some of the biggest names in sales and separate sales fact from fiction. And here's your host, Tom Boston. Welcome once again. It's No Nonsense Sales time where we take a myth and we debunk it for your listening pleasure. Really prominent topic this week in sales, something that I know a lot of people in the industry are trying to make significant changes around. It's the common myth that women don't want to work in sales. I've worked on lots of sales teams and most of them in the past have been predominantly made up of men, which I think adds weight to this myth that you'll only get hired in sales if you're a man and that also women aren't even applying for the roles. I've heard that a lot in the past. Well, we don't hire women because they just don't apply for the roles. Surely it's on us as a collective to empower women and their route into sales and also make sales an appealing role for women in general. To talk this through, I've invited Reva Pellerin, Enterprise Account Manager at Vidyard, to join me on the show. She's an advocate for working mums and women in sales, and as a seasoned professional, she spent 10 years in B2B. She's on the show to tell me more about her experience and what we can do to change the narrative around women in sales. First question I asked was, what has kept you in B2B sales for so long? Yeah, so it's actually been eight years at Vidyard, which is wild. Um, but I think what has kept me, because early in my career, I was looking at any opportunity to jump and get the hell out of here. Um, but I think like it's this constant opportunity to learn and get coaching and then apply what you've learned whether that's at your company or all the like stuff you're reading online and and get to apply it like over and over again in different scenarios. It's like constant practice. Like I'm not very into sports and I'm not good at sports, but I can imagine it's like practicing and practicing and then playing a game and getting to play a game all the time. So I really like that element and I couldn't really, I don't know what other role at a company would give me that. Um, and I really feed off that opportunity. I can definitely relate to that. And then using those skills, like in your, in your real life. I remember when I joined, um, in my first B2B role and I kind of realized, oh, I don't know if I've been listening to people actually listening to people in my real life. When I started to learn about active listening and discovery, I was like, maybe I could bring that into my real life. And it's helped me out massively as well. Um, have you found that? Do you find that you're actually using some of the things you've learned in the world of, of B2B SaaS in your day-to-day? The exact same example you've given, active listening. Like, do I do it all the time? No. Do I do it near enough? Probably not. But just knowing... <laughs> I, I could do that. And, and like, it's, again, it's that practice. It's that opportunity to practice over and over again as a, a partner or a parent or a friend. Like you also have opportunities, endless opportunities to show up in the right way, listen. And it particularly as a parent, I'm sure you would agree just that leaning in and really being engaged and really getting what's going on. Um, you don't do it all the time, like devices are there and thinking about work is there. But that reminder of like, OK, I could be really present in this moment. That definitely comes from sales, too, I would say. Yeah, I love that. love that idea of being present in the moment, because if you're not, especially from a sales perspective, your potential buyer is going to pick up on that very, very quickly if your mind is kind of somewhere else. Right. A hundred percent. Yeah. And and. 
you know, uh, buyers are very savvy, very smart, and they can tell if you're not even somewhere else, but you're trying to take the conversation in a place that it's not going because you're not active listening and you're just waiting to like cram your product down their throat. So yeah, it doesn't serve you well at all, but it is a really difficult thing to do all the time. Yeah. I think a lot of people will will certainly relate, relate to that. And uh, of course you've been through many a discovery call, many a sales conversation over your time. But what what would you say is the the biggest change or the biggest shift that you've seen, especially in B2B over over your tenure? Yeah, I would say I have like a an interesting opportunity too to see this pretty close up in that when I started my career in SaaS sales, I started at a marketing automation company, Eloqua after it was acquired by Oracle. So it was all about how are marketers communicating to their audience in an automated way while still being personalized. And there was this huge story around it and it was really exciting and modern and taking customers on that journey was like interesting. But like every year we have seen the shift of power move from seller to buyer and the saturation of email and digital communication just like get higher and higher, right? So those are the two biggest things I see right now. One is as sellers, we used to have way more power. Everything was on our side. We got to give what we wanted. Pricing was never exposed. Now it's like word of mouth. How's your experience with that company? What's pricing like? Um, What does it do? Show me what it does. Let me try it first. It's totally shifted. So as a buyer, you have to adapt to that. Like if that's how people are buying, then how are you selling? Um, And then two, just the saturation of communication, even outbound prospecting. I'm sure you at SalesLoft know, like it's not working the way it did before. We have to change the way we approach it. And so that's been a big change, even in the last two years that I've been like, wow, Um, outbound messaging. Like if you're doing it the way you were three, four or five years ago, you're not going to find success with it. Yeah, definitely. It's all about moving and being fluid i think the the word fluidity in in sales is is so important because uh, those are the people who succeed right who can kind of move move with the times but you've been doing that for for a long time now you're also a proud advocate for working mums and of course women in sales so to pivot onto the topic of our podcast theme today I'd love to kick off by asking you which is harder uh, being a mum or selling software yeah, you know what? I waffle on this. <laughs> I think I, I'm going to say being a mom because I feel like the stakes are higher. Um, you know, like, okay, you lose a deal, you get fired from your company. That's pretty traumatic, but not as traumatic as like really dropping the ball as a mom. So I'm going to say it has to be being a mom. Um, it can be exhausting, but it's like your own product. This is your baby, not the company's. So definitely being a parent (laughs) yeah parents are basically in product development i like that (laughs) (laughs) i like that a lot um so what what about then the appeal for roles for women in sales like do we are we are we seeing that across the board that women are attracted to the to the world of sales i'd love to hear your thoughts on this yeah i would say like 
it's probably changing, but like at its core, sales was very male dominated. It was built by men for men. And if you wanted to be there as a woman, like in many industries or roles, you could, but it's going to be like an uphill battle. So is it as bad as it maybe used to be? No, but is it like very welcoming and built for a woman, especially a woman who may want to have children? No, not at all. Um, I would say that like what I see changing is like much more like an embracing of diversity and, and inclusion when it comes to um, events you may do as a, as a company. So something I see being spoken a lot about is like sobriety and sales and not having events be so surrounded by um, drinks. But I almost don't feel like that came about because they were like, you know what, let's embrace women. I think it was like people just in general wanting to drink less or the society as a whole turning from drinking and saying it doesn't need to be the centerpiece. So I think when there are some things that come to mind that like you don't think twice about, like early morning meetings um, or, you know, happy hours after work, those aren't really including women who have to go home likely, pick up their kids and they want to do that too. But it's just like they then have to make choices about what's more important. And, and that's tough to always make and always be like mental gymnastics on what should I drop today to, to make this all work. Yeah, because you, you're always going to feel like you're letting an element of your life down, right? If you do use that term drop, I might have dropped the ball here or I'm going to have to change here. But but actually, in the modern world, especially in, in B2B, I think we've got an opportunity to to help people to do all of those things and, and do them really well. Um, but why do you think we're still seeing such a male-dominated world of sales because you know we've changed and thankfully we've changed so much and, we, and it's getting better but it's still not it's still not quite there right so why why do you think that is I think it's the structure of it and I also think it's the experience so when I say structure when you think about sales um you take this new sales role and you might take three to six to 12 to 18 months to build your book of business and build your territory for a man or a non-birthing parent, I'll say, that's okay. You know what you're investing in. You know what you have to do. For a woman who may be in child planning mode, that can be super stressful. So you have to take this role and um, uh, prove yourself. But halfway through your ramp, you may have like want to have a child and, and so then you're off so then you've done all this work to ramp yourself and now you're going to be off and if you're lucky enough to live like in Canada or the UK we have 12 to 18 months of mat leave which is great but now like it's all for it can feel all for nothing in your career when you have to make those big decisions and then similarly when you're coming back you've got to build again right and and even even situations where I know this happened to me, I was leaving for maternity leave and a lot of stress came from one, this is my first child, what to expect, I'm excited, I'm stressed, I'm anxious, but also I have all these deals that are about to close, but some of them might go a month over and I knew that I would not get paid on them. So you're balancing that additional stress. So the, the structure of how it works doesn't really embrace people who want to have children. Um, and then two, it's the experience. It's that it's only experienced by the birthing parent. So 
with men, you might take a week off or two weeks off. And that's just like a vacation. That's like a long vacation. You can recover from that. Someone's going to manage your book for the moment. Um, You don't have to rebuild or think about any of those elements, but it's not the same for women or, or for birthing parents, I'll say. So so that, that's the thing. It's, it's the structure of how it was built and who built these programs. And then it's the people who have to experience it. And there's two different experiences. Yeah. And I think we can learn a lot from, you know, n- not making assumptions. And I think that's something I'm working on, right? So just not assuming something about anyone, right? Because we've all got different things going on in our lives. And the best we can support someone is to lead with kindness and uh, and hopefully support them the best the best way we can. But I'd love to get your thoughts on how can um, how can we specifically support women in sales. So say you've got someone who's listening who wants to be an advocate for women in sales, right? And they want to champion it and they want to see a change. What would your advice be to them? How can they help? Yeah, I think it's exactly what you said, Tom. Right? We have to lead with empathy. We might not always be in that experience. But just like active listening kind of takes a moment to turn on and you have to be intentional about it, you have to be intentional too about thinking about an experience someone else might be having that you really wouldn't want to have if you were in their shoes. So as a man, number one, think about what that experience might be like for your female counterparts on your team. And um, think about... Like, would you like your your partner to go through that or your sister or someone close to you? Would you like them to have to make a decision of getting paid their commission check or having a child or, uh, and you know, it's not even, it's not so simple as that. Like, of course, you're going to want to have the child, but it's, it's the idea that like some people do not have to think twice about it and some people have to think about it a lot. Um, and then number two is I, I learned this recently, um, actually at a sales sales loft conference last year that I was on a panel for, and and um, Maura Brady from Six Sense mentioned this, and it just really stuck with me in that if you are having a child and you are like a non birthing parent on the team, don't just take like the minimum amount of time off you can take. Number one, take that time off because this is like. A, a great opportunity for your family. But number two, if you don't experience, like if you, if your first thought is I can't take six weeks, I can't take 12 weeks off. Like I, how am I going to take care of my business? I'm going to lose that deal. Someone else is going to get paid on that deal. If those are the thoughts going through your head, then there's obviously a problem with how these systems are built. Right. So go through that experience, feel that, and then make, change it, change the program, change the structure so that women can stress less about taking time off to build their family and making a a decision between commission or progression in your career. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, it should never have to be a choice, right? So as much as we can do uh, to support women in sales, then I think that that can only be a good thing for, for our future. Now, I thank you for answering those questions and you're a huge inspiration for a lot of women who are either in sales or might want to be in sales. And I really appreciate you going through, um, going through your story and, and, and kind of inspiring the listeners today, but we do need to figure out if this week's topic is a fact or a fiction. So let's try to decide women don't want to work in sales. Is that a fact or a fiction? 
it's fiction, right? Like, come on. You heard it here first. Yeah, that one's uh, that one's settled then. So let's um, let's round off the podcast. Unfortunately for the listeners, I will be covering a song that you've brought in. Do you want to talk through the reasons behind bringing in the song and what it is, Reva? That would be great. Okay, so it's definitely Space Jam. I think the song is called Space Jam from Space Jam. Why? Super nostalgic. I remember watching this movie when I was a kid. And like, I think this song was playing when they were running on the court, might be making that up. But it was such a like feel good pump up moment of the bit of the movie. And it fits the bill of wholesome can be played on the radio. And yeah, if I were to play that before a discovery call or, you know, a big demo or a pitch, it would get me pumped. Well, hopefully I can get the listeners pumped with my cover. So thank you so much for joining me on the show. Yes, thank you, Tom. It was great. Hey! You all ready for this? Space Jam on No Nonsense Sales there, taking us right back to the 90s. We've just added that track to our Spotify playlist. Just search No Nonsense Sales and all being well, we will see you next week wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.